Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So, if you got your Bibles, uh, I'd probably turn to 1 John. I'm going to be referencing a lot of Scripture, but I think 1 John chapter 1 would probably be a good place to go if you want to follow along. So uh, my, my screw-up was uh, a couple of years ago, and we were out at Roberts at a branding, and for the last six or seven years, um, you know, when you go to a branding year after year, you kind of learn where the boss wants you unless he says something different. And so my job was always, uh, once we got all the cattle in, some other people would sort the cows from the calves, and then me and Robert and one other guy would go around and we'd uh, uh, doctor all of the, uh, vaccinate all the cows as they go through and stuff like that. So anyway, we're over there. And one of my jobs in preparing for this was to get the vaccine ready. Now, <laughs> you're always going to mess it up when you start because there's like this transfer needle. It's really short on one side. And it's really long on the other side. And what you do is you stick it into the water because it's got a powder in one bottle and water in another. You put it in the water, and then when you stick it into the vaccine part, it's under pressure or under a suction, a vacuum. And so it pulls the water down in there, right? And so there's been a few times that, and everybody's done it. If you've worked it very often, you put the needle in the wrong deal, and all the suction goes out, and then it's, then it's a wreck. I didn't do that, though. I didn't mess that part up. I got my little transfer needle, and I you know, stuck it in the water and I put it in the vaccine part and it, it all went in there. And I had about this much water left over, which usually doesn't happen. So I look over at Robert and I said, what are we supposed to do with this extra water? He goes, I don't know. Okay. So here I am, man. I am just mixing stuff up just left and right. We got, you know, a couple of hundred head to vaccinate and I'm mixing all of this stuff up and we start, uh, we start vaccinating. We got about 60 cows left and no more vaccine. And Robert's like, where's the rest of the vaccine? I said, that's all the vaccine. And so we start checking the guns to make sure we gave the right dose. Everything was right. And then we see like, here's 12 bottles with this much water still in them. So Decky, who runs the Silver Spur, he was actually there helping us. So me and Robert and Decky are standing around this table trying to figure out what went wrong. So we read the directions. <laughs> We have to read the directions. And for the first, like, Decky had never seen it. Robert had never seen it. You were supposed to put the water in the vaccine, mix it all up, and then put the vaccine back in the water bottle. What in the world? So the entire branding is put on hold for nearly two hours because we have to go get more vaccine. And I felt about this big. Of course, you know, I mean, I asked. And Robert didn't even know, and he was so gracious about it. I mean, guys, a branding is a big deal, especially when it's a one day and you got to get everything done and it's going to be hot. Man, nobody likes to be responsible for that. Like I said, man, he, he was very, very gracious of my mistake. But in the cowboy world, was that a sin or a mistake? Or is there a difference? Today we have an answer. We have to answer four questions before we can figure out the difference in a mistake, and a sin. So the first question, a lot of y'all are going to be saying like, okay, come on, get to the point, get to the point. But we really, really, really 
have to build a foundation here if we are going to get a correct biblical answer to what is sin, okay? Or is it a sin or a mistake? The first question we have to ask is, who is Jesus? And we could sit up here for hours, and there's all sorts of stuff that we could say in, you know, Jesus is this, Jesus is that. I have tried to condense it to three things that hopefully cover nearly everything, okay? The first one, who is Jesus? He is the Son of God, okay? Now, we could throw in there that he was born of a virgin, he was born in Bethlehem according to Scripture, blah, blah, blah. But the main thing is that he was the Son of God, okay? He was God's one and only Son. The second thing that we can say about who Jesus was is he was the Word of God. And in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so Jesus is the Word of God, and that's so hard for a lot of people to um, wrap their minds around, like, okay, the Trinity, man, you got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, or, you know, all of this stuff, but Jesus was the Word of God. Well, this morning, it kind of came to me, and I'm going to say that God gave it to me, because I'm not smart enough to say this, but what that means is that Jesus is the Word of God, which is the promise of God. Jesus is the promise of God because even in the very, very beginning in Genesis, time was looking forward to when God would send his son to redeem the world through himself. Okay? And finally, speaking of that redemption, Jesus was the sacrifice of God. He was sent to this earth to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He took, he lived a perfect life. We're sorry, no accounts, full of sin. He was perfect. He switched places with us. He paid the price for your sin and your sin and my sin and all of our sins. He paid, he took the punishment upon himself and he's like, give me your sin and your punishment and I'm going to give you my perfection. So who was Jesus? Jesus was the son of God. He's the promise of God. He's the word of God. And he's also the sacrifice of God. So with that out of the way, and I know that's pretty basic for a lot of you that have been following Jesus for a long time. The second thing, who are Christians? Well, I, I think before we dive into who a Christian is, let's talk about who a Christian is not, okay? A Christian is not someone who has ascribed a certain set of religious beliefs, okay? Um, they are not somebody that has joined a church, said a prayer, or participated in certain sacraments. In other words, you know, taking the Lord's Supper doesn't make you a Christian. Even getting baptized doesn't make you a Christian. So what does? Okay. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do those things, okay, to partake in a sacrament or hold to, but those things in and of themselves does not make you a Christian. So who are Christians? Well, they are followers of the way. Christ, the term Christian or Christ follower was first used in Antioch. But before Christians were called Christians, they were called followers of the way because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So because Jesus said that, they were followers of the way. You can read about that in Acts 9.2, Acts 19.9, 19.23, 22.4, 24.14, 24.12, or 22. I mean, like, all, there's a lot of places in the Bible where it references followers of the way. Okay? So, Christians are followers of the way. In other words, they are disciples of Jesus. A Christian, a true Christian, is a disciple of Christ. Okay? 
I had to put that into context that I could understand. Anybody remember the Grateful Dead? What about their followers? You remember what they were called? The Dead. <laughs> this little group right here. <laughs> the Deadheads. Now, what did the Deadheads do, man? They followed the Grateful Dead everywhere they went. They knew every single song, okay? They attended every concert. They knew every song by heart and beat. They knew all the band's names and the ages and their birthdays. I mean, they, these deadheads, they knew everything about the Grateful Dead. I was trying to remember their names. I knew Jerry Garcia is the only one I knew. But anyway, they attended all of that stuff. If they weren't following the bus to the next concert, they were working for the sole purpose of getting money so that they could get to the next concert. Okay? The band even knew a lot of these deadheads because they saw them at every single concert. They were right up front. They got to know them. That, those people were disciples of the Grateful Dead. Think about that. They attended everything. They knew everything about it. They were adamant followers of the Grateful Dead, and they knew all of this stuff. And like their entire lives were spent following the Grateful Dead. They didn't work. They only worked so that they could get to the next concert. What about Jesus' disciples? Nearly the same thing. They devote their lives to following and knowing Jesus Christ. They don't follow Jesus to get better jobs. They have jobs so that they can do the will of Jesus. Okay? Jesus is not just a part of their lives. To be a disciple of Jesus, Jesus has to be your life, and everything else comes second. They know Jesus, and Jesus knows them in an active relationship. Okay? In an active relationship. You know, um, there's a book, I think the guy's named Kyle Eidelman, called Not a Fan. And he said that, unfortunately, a lot of people that call themselves Christians are not really disciples of Jesus. They're fans of Jesus. They like what he does. They like what he'll do for them. You know, it's just like, they're, they're just a fan of Jesus. You know, um, I, I've never really met anybody real famous, but I did, I did, have, uh, I did have lunch about 12 feet from uh, Captain Woodrow Call in a restaurant. Me and Tommy Lee Jones and one of his ranch hands. Um, and, and that was pretty cool. And I know a lot about Tommy Lee Jones, and I know a lot about Woodrow Call, right? I know a lot about Tommy Lee Jones. He's got a ranch not too far from our ranch. And when he left, he looked at me. He knew I recognized him. He goes, you have a, you have a good day, cowboy. I said, you too, Mr. Jones. And he walked out. Now, I'm a fan of Tommy Lee Jones, but he doesn't know my name. I've seen everything that he does, but he doesn't know me. I don't have his phone number. We don't talk on a daily basis. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus instead of just a fan. Maybe there's a cowboy analogy in this when we talk about who are Christians. Well, let's say who are not cowboys, okay? It's not the person that goes every year whenever the uh, stampede is going on and they go to Walmart, buy a goofy-looking straw hat, and wear it to the rodeo. That is not a cowboy. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying that's not cowboy. Okay? Like Mitch's hat. Not really. I like your hat, Mitch. And, you, and, you, and you, wrote, you, you wore it more than one day. Probably shouldn't have, but that's beside the point. You know, somebody that says, well, I rode a horse one time. Look, man, that's great. Man, I applaud you. I really do. I love that. But riding a horse one time does not make you a cowboy. Okay? 
And I, I love it when people say, well, yeah, my granddad owned a farm. Well, yippee-ki-yay. But just because your granddaddy owned a farm does not make you a cowboy. And that's great. I love it. But it doesn't make you a cowboy. And some people, well, I, you know, I learned to rope a dummy at a camp. Great. I love that. <laughs> that, you know, that doesn't really make you a cowboy. So what is a cowboy? Now, this is my definition of a cowboy. It is those that uphold the legacy, artistry, and traditions of the cowboy way of life. Being a cowboy isn't an act. It is a way of life that governs all thought and action. They spend their lives knowing and growing the cowboy way of life to the extent of their opportunities. Okay, now there are some people out there that I would call a cowboy because they love Louis L'Amour. They've never had a chance to ride. They've never had a chance to row. They, they've never even been on a ranch, but man, they live and breathe the cowboy way of life. They are upholding the legacy, artistry, and traditions. I would call them a cowboy because they are using what they have to grow to the extent of their opportunities. And there's lots of cowboys, in my opinion. I mean, in here, I see it. I see what y'all do. They live, a cowboy lives, eats, and breathes being a cowboy to the extent of their opportunity. In other words, a cowboy to me is somebody that makes it a part of their life. And the same goes for being a Christian, okay? A Christian upholds the things that God says to do, the way he said to live, why he said to live it. Put your faith in this, do this, don't do that, you know? And, it, and being a Christian is not an act, but a way of life of following Jesus. We spend our entire lives knowing and growing in Christ to the extent of our opportunities, okay? And we live, eat, and breathe being a disciple of Christ, once again, to the extent of our opportunities. So, we've talked about who is Jesus, and I don't want to say pretty simple, it's mind-boggling, but in simplistic, who is Jesus, and who are Christians? Who are they not? So now we got to get into a deeper subject. What is sin. What is sin? A sin is any thought, word, or action. Any thought, word, or action that is contrary to the character of God. Any thought, word, or action that is contrary to the character of God. In Romans 3.23, Paul tells us we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody on earth except Jesus, who lived a perfect life, except for Jesus, all of us have sinned and will sin, okay? We will never be absolutely free of sin in this world. Now, we have been freed from the power of sin in our lives, but that does not mean that once you accept Christ that you'll never sin again. That's not true. Because in 1 John 1, 8, John says, if anyone says that they have no sin, they are fooling themselves and the truth is not in them. So if any Christian comes up to you and says, well, you know, I don't sin. Mm. You, I, I don't mean to be judgmental, but you're wrong. You're wrong. What is sin? Any thought, word, or action that is contrary to the character of God. But even though we will continue to sin, there is forgiveness of sin. Because in 1 John 1, 9, the very next verse, John says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Every sin will be forgiven for the disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I know a lot of people, once again, that say, oh, I believe in God. The Bible says, whoop-de-doo, even the demons believe in God. Every sin will be forgiven for the disciple of Jesus, for the disciple of Jesus. So with that being said, we don't really have to worry about sin since all will be forgiven, right? We can just do whatever we want to do if it's going to be forgiven, right? Well, of course not. I mean, Paul even answered that question when he said, you know, should we go on sinning so grace may abound? Of course not. Of course not. Because see, there are effects of sin in our life. Sin is sin to God. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. You know, one time I was at a local restaurant called Catalina's and Elizabeth, and me and a buddy of mine were sitting there and we were visiting, and we were talking about this, this concept of sin being sin, and it's really hard to grasp. And so there was four straws on the table, and I took those four straws and I put them in my hand where one was long, one was short, you know, different sizes, and I held it up and I said, which one's the biggest? I'm like, well, that one. I'm like, okay. So I put it under the table, and then I threw them all on the table, and I said, which one was it? I'm like, well, there's no way to know. That's how God views sin. There is no little sin. There is no big sin. Sin is sin. See, that little white lie that you told your spouse because you didn't want to get in an argument or get in trouble, that is the same as murder in God's eyes. That is the same as murder. So when you tell that little bitty lie, or you have that thought that is contrary to the character of God, it is no different than you putting a gun to somebody's head and pulling the trigger. Sin is sin. Any thought, word, or action that is contrary to the character of God. That's not fair, is it? That is not fair. When you think about it, sin is sin. I mean, come on, how can you compare murdering somebody to a little white lie or a lustful thought? How can you compare the two? That's not fair. Well, you know what else wasn't fair? It wasn't fair for God's son to live a perfect life and then to take our place on the cross, was it? You want to talk about not fair? That's what wasn't fair. But that is also, because of that unfairness, that's what opened up the gate to the forgiveness for our sins. The effects of sin. Listen, sin makes us lose track of the narrow trail. Because Jesus said, follow the narrow trail. For wide is the trail that leads to destruction. But the trail that leads to life is narrow, steep, and hard. But when the effect of sin, has, and I mean, we live in Colorado. Hiking is like one of the top three things people do in Colorado because there's so many beautiful places to go. And um, I've been on some trails before that you're going along and you're like, where does this thing go now? Right? And I mean, there's trail markers and stuff, but sometimes, man, it's kind of hard to tell, if, especially if you're on kind of an, one that's not real popular. That's what sin does to us. It makes us lose track of that narrow trail. You know, we're following it, we're following it, we got our eyes on it, and Jesus is that trail, we've got our eyes on him, and then sin makes us go, what was that? And then we look up, man, and we're off the trail. That's what sin does in our lives. It makes us lose track of the narrow trail. Sin also grieves and quenches the Holy Spirit. It quenches the power of God in our lives. Because we talked about God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit is the power of God that is made available to us. And when we sin, 
man, we got that, that fire burning inside of us, man, and we're on fire for God, and we're doing every, not everything right, but, man, we're growing, we're going, we're saddling up every day. And when sin comes into our life, man, it's just like a bucket of water on that fire. This Bible's words, not mine, quenches the Holy Spirit, the power of God in our lives. So listen, we should never, ever, ever justify, label, or assume sin is anything other than sin. If you do something that does not go against the character of God, me messing up that vaccine, that didn't go against the character of God. That did not go against the character of God. It was just a mistake. But you know what? We should never justify, label, or assume that sin is anything less than sin. I had a guy tell me one time, he's like, something was said about being perfect. And he goes, well, nobody was perfect. And I said, well, on contrary, Jesus was perfect. And he said, no, he wasn't. <laughs> so I fist fought him. No, I didn't. I, didn't. I, I kind of wanted to stand up for Jesus, right? And I was like, no, he was. And he looked at me with a lot of venom in his mannerism, right? And he goes, so you're telling me that when Jesus was learning to walk, he didn't fall down. I said, falling down isn't a sin. He lived a perfect life, but he was still a man. Yeah, he probably fell down. You know, when he was learning, you know, when Joseph was teaching him carpentering, you know, I really doubt as a seven-year-old, he could just like look at a nail, whew, it went in. Probably not, right? He still had to use a hammer and he might've missed one or bent one over. I don't know, but none of those things are sins. They're just life. They're just life. We should never justify, label, or assume that sin, any thought, word, or action that is contrary to the character of God, we should never assume that it is anything other than sin. It is never okay or warranted. And, and I, I'm not going to say that I haven't done it. Well, that's a sin. Well, you just don't understand what's going on in my life. doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Sin is sin. I'm not condemning anybody, and I don't want anybody to condemn me, because none of us will be free from the power of sin. But what is the response of a believer to sin? Well, number one, I think our first response should be when we sin, the Bible says to confess that sin, to confess that sin. And if we do that, when I say confess, and I, and I think there's, there was a time in my life when my confession was like, God, sorry, I screw up all the time. That's really not a confession, is it? There's no heartbreak in that. Man, when we're talking about confessing a sin, <laughs> this is what I wrote down, because this is the way I would want to live my, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I'm pretty good at it, but say that bad boy. When you're confessing a sin to God, don't just think in your mind, God, sorry that I'm always sinning. Man, say that bad boy out loud. Graphic. Graphic. Make it as graphic and awful as it really is. That's a confession. God, I am so sorry that in my mind, me hating that person is just like strangling them to death in front of their own child. That's a confession. Make it what it is. Don't, don't make light of it. It is serious. And when we confess it, we need to confess it seriously. If that doesn't work, go, uh, go to another person and confess it. Now, what I'm fixing to say, I am not patting myself on the back. I give all glory to God. On a whim, about two months ago, I stood up here and told y'all that I was going to quit dipping Copenhagen. Still haven't had a dip to this day. You know why? Because I confess my sin to y'all. I'm not saying that dipping Copenhagen is a sin. It was a sin to me because the first thing I thought of in the morning wasn't Jesus Christ. Is where's my dip of Copenhagen? It took the place 
of Christ in my life in certain areas, and I didn't like it. It was a sin to me, so what did I do? I came in here, and I confessed it to Christ before, and then I came in here, and I was led by the Holy Spirit to put it up here in front of y'all and say, I'm quitting. And you know what? It's one of the easiest things I've ever done in my life. It was one of the easiest things I've ever done in my life because, number one, I confessed it to God out loud personally, and then I came in here, and I confessed it to y'all. It works. Our response to sin should be confession, but it should also be repentance. Now, repentance doesn't mean that you'll never struggle with that sin again. It means that you will know in your heart that that thought, word, or action is very, 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 very wrong. It is changing the way you think about that. So even if you do it again, you're like, man, I know I shouldn't be doing that. You're repenting of that sin. Doesn't mean that you'll never struggle with it again. It means you know, used to you did that without a thought. Never bothered you or nothing. And now that the Holy Spirit has convicted you, now every time it happens or it's going to happen, you're like, no, I'm not supposed to be doing that. That's repentance. To turn from the sin and turn to God. And finally, if confession doesn't work on us, we know it works, but if confession doesn't work and repentance doesn't work, then God's going to pull out discipline. Listen, if you don't hear anything else I say, if you have sin sin in your life, confess it, repent of it, and be done with it. Because you don't want to get to the discipline part. You really don't want to get to the discipline part. Because, I mean, us parents, right? How many times has us as parents, you know, you tell your kids and you tell them, hey, man, you don't need to be doing that. You're going to get in trouble. This is bad for you, blah, blah. And you just keep on and keep on. And they keep doing it. What do you finally do? A good father is going to discipline their child. And God is the best father. And if you don't listen to him when he says to confess it, and you don't listen to him when he says you need to repent of this, then he's going to start disciplining you. And that is, nobody likes discipline.